Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. The Power of Water. Water Life Science is the background that I have and what I've been learning for over and researching for over 30 years of my life. Many years ago, I determined there is a method we have to discover what to do about finding cures for these diseases and symptoms. And I have decided after some study for quite some time, water is the most vulnerable part of our life because from the beginning of time, Earth began with that moment of water. So several years ago, I had started the research center and studying and bringing scientists together and physicians in the medical field together to understand that. But I was asked if I would like to have my own radio show, and I said, yes, I would. So I joined with Voice America World Talk Radio, and we'd syndicated to have the show called Power of Water, but it's about water life science. And for you to understand that and to listen to our guests from all over the world, and we've had them from all over the world, come in as scientists, physicians, scholars, educators, people in research, and you get to hear us talk research, picking each other's brains like in a laboratory so that you can understand where we're coming from with our life and water. And as I've been educating with the show, with this commentary for so long, it's a reminder of you not to forget every time you listen. You're made up of water. The earth is water. Well, start out with the earth that you're living on. I said on, but with. The earth lives with the solar system. And as it moves very carefully, in the rhythm of the solar system, and it is a rhythm, and the, everything in the solar system has to keep a rhythm. And as that moves in that rhythm, one time at one breath of moment, millions of years ago, life began with a droplet of water from that blue rhythm, ribbon around the earth that was a vapor of water. And when that evaporation happened, the droplet came down. And it began to come down, and it took a lot of years, millions of years. But as it came down, where it came down, all of a sudden, in time, life began. And when life began on the planet with water under the surface of the earth called aquifers, it came to the surface of the aquifer when at the surface of the earth, when the aquifer filled up. And then streams began, rivers began, lakes began, soil, ferns, moss, life. When human life began, the human life is water, and that's something I want you to always remember. Is your body is water, living with the water in the vapor of the atmosphere, of your breathing. You take your arms and you can move them away from your body. If that wasn't water that you're living in, in that air, that invisible water, that humidity, that atmosphere, that water vapor, you wouldn't be alive. Earth wouldn't be alive. It all takes water. That's water. The human body, when you're in your mother's womb, develops so much water per organ before it decides it's ready to give birth. The nature of life. And each of those organs, as they begin to get develop with a percentage of water, then all of a sudden, the baby begins to to develop, come to, to live here out in 
the water vapor comes out. It's ready. That body, as we've been learning from our scientists and myself around the world, is like a battery. It has to charge like electricity with that water vapor of the air. You begin an evaporation process from the moment you're born and you left that pocket of water. Hopefully, all the organs have the percentage of water that is required for you to live. No two eyes are alike. No two fingerprints are alike. Your blood, everything about you is so unique. And your body begins to live at that moment. And I'll call it, because of our show today, the rhythm of life. Your rhythm of life begins... For you personally, you're so unique. We're all unique. As we begin to develop, we have to drink up to eight to ten glasses of water a day. Food just won't sustain us. Water. You've got to learn how to breathe that water vapor. Breathe in and breathe out. It saved my life a few times learning to breathe. People all over the world say, oh my gosh, learning to breathe saved my life. It does. It gives you more energy. I was talking to a marathon runner the other day, and I said, you know, Jim, as you run, if you weren't breathing correctly, you couldn't be winning those marathons. He never thought of it that way. Because he's bringing in and bringing out that, that water, out of the air that you're living in. You need to have proper nutrition, good food, so you don't over-evaporate by good f- eating food. The diet, as we're finding out, is a technology of better education about your diet. You need the moderate exercise. If you're like our Tom Brady out there, do like he does. And I really admire him. He exercises aggressively. He's known to go on the field with the Patriots and exercise aggressively as a football player, NFL. But when he's not in exercise, he has moderate. He's moderate. He watches his diet. He does everything with being moderate. Sleeping is vital like the earth goes to sleep. Vital to your life. You've got to learn how to sleep. Your life living on this planet has extraordinary secrets to all of us. Your life because of the water. We need to study that together and create a membership of all of us that worldwide with this radio show, we're going to take this serious because what will save our lives will also save the planet to be here for eternity. We're going to learn a lot together. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Many years ago, I was asked by ophthalmology research if I would study the surface of the eye that is 99% water that causes dry eye to blindness, vision impairment. I did, and I showed them why it has to be supplemented with the humidity of application. No different than your toothbrush was invented to so simply brush your teeth to prevent cavities, healthier gums, healthier saliva. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is only, the only product like it in the world. It was launched several years ago in market testing to learn. Will people understand that your eyes are so vital to your health and your everyday Wellness, yes, they are, but you hadn't had a product that you could massively use every day and to be able to maintain and slow down that 99% water evaporation. Eye drops are heavy, and they have a kind of like a, 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 not a contaminated, but they can become addicted. The eyes can become addicted to them. So don't overuse your eye drops. Use Nature's Tears Eye Mist with it to maintain and slow down that evaporation. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist 
and we'll be back and I'll introduce you to Dr. Victor Wabi. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com again that's jeff spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Today we have a very special guest. This is going to be exciting because I've studied the behavior of our rhythm of our bodies because there's a water in the body living with the electric ability for the for the. Uh, electricity in the air that magnifies us. Uh, today, I'm going to be introducing Dr. Victor Wabi, who's an MD, PhD. He's a music conductor, uh, director. Uh, he started what's called the Healing, Healing the World Music, Medical Music Group, Musical Group, Medical Musical Group, MMG. Dr. Wabi is a Renaissance man. He's a physician, musician, scientist, poet, and conductor. Educated in both medicine and music, which is going to be a very fascinating show today to talk about what he's been discovering. He founded an organization called MMG, Medical Musical Group. Award-winning, the group is the world, did world premiere through, uh, with a chorale and symphony that has been playing all over this country, and I will find out where he's been playing, uh, been, where he's been going. Members of the healers, doctors, nurses, nurses, and other volunteers to the group, and medical centers, schools, and communities all over the USA. MMG offers concerts in the U.S. and around the world. Doctor, tell us first of all. Uh, introducing you. Tell us about where you came from as a young person and how you got to where you're at today. Okay, and first I want to thank you for this wonderful introduction. At one point I wondered whether it's me or someone else because of the very gracious (laughs) uh, uh, praise. And I also, by the way, enjoyed listening to you and your introduction about water. Very, very uh, illuminating, and I commend you on the work you do. Um, I uh, was born in Alexandria, Egypt, um, uh, in 1945, just after World War II ended, and this is why my parents gave me the name Victor. Uh, 
And I uh, uh, stayed in Egypt until age 20, um, 28, uh, where at that time I um, started all, did all my studies uh, and and uh, high school and, and primary, etc. And went to uh, medical school, and uh, then after that did residency training, fellowship, uh, residency, and uh, internship training. And uh, then, uh, in 1973, I uh, um, found it necessary to leave Egypt and go to Beirut, Lebanon, where there is open um, uh, field for people who apply regardless of their backgrounds. And I was accepted at the American University of Beirut, Lebanon, as a fellow in endocrinology, which is a study of hormones, by the way. I always, by the way, had interest in studying hormones and the brain, the relationship of brain to hormones. So I, uh, I stayed in Beirut for about three years where I, um, besides clinical training, I did a PhD uh, in biochemistry. Uh, biochemistry is very essential to the study of hormones and, and things like that. And uh, incidentally, while I was there, the civil war broke and uh, it was... Uh, had an, a very uh, strong impact uh, on my decision, ultimate decision, to move to the United States. And uh, mm-hmm. so I came here in <clears throat> uh, end of 1967. Uh, let me repeat, 1976, I'm sorry. The years go by very quickly. And uh, I uh, was accepted as a resident fellow at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, I did my residency all over again uh, um, because that's the system, but that was very good. Uh, the training there is fantastic. And then uh, after finishing, um, I started exploring, doing research, uh, and uh, in doing that, uh, I um, uh, presented some papers in the meeting. In one of the meetings, there was a man that I greatly um, adored since my days in Egypt. His name, his name was John W. Mason. He was professor at Yale. And he uh, is the world leader, remains still today, actually, in psychoendocrinology and psychoneuroendocrinology. He just passed on two or three years ago, unfortunately. And Dr. Mason was gracious enough to invite me to work with him, which I did. Uh, so I stayed at... Uh, um, and, what, and, and doctor, what was his specialty? He was an internist, but he also did research on stress-related hormonal changes and, okay. uh, and, changes. and endocrine changes in, in psychiatric illness and psychological illness. Okay, okay. And I don't know if you heard of Dr. Hans Seeley. He was in the first half of the last century. He's from Canada, and he was the, lead, the world leader in stress research. And um, the stress research started uh, with Dr. Seeley when he had one of these radios, and it didn't work, and he kept changing and tuning in and up. Finally, he hit it in anger, and when he hit it, it worked. And he said something happened, and the, when the system got stressed, it corrected itself. Now, I'm going to back you up for a minute. What did he do that he, 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 he did something in anger? What did he do? All right. Uh, this is a Dr. Han Seeley in, in Canada mm-hmm. in the 1930s uh-huh. or 40s, I forget. And he was uh-huh. a mentor of Dr. Mason, with whom I mentored. So Dr. Seeley was uh, doing something and listening to a radio at that time, of course, these huge radios. And the radio started having interference or the wave was not right, the pickup was not right. So he kept trying to tune it in and up and do this and that, and, but it never uh, corrected itself. So in kind of despair and anger, he just hit it. And when uh-huh. he did that, the radio worked. It was just a coincidence, <laughs> obviously. And uh, but the coincidence, uh, all bright minds, uh, um, they see something, they don't let it go. And so I said, why did it work when I hit it? And he came to the conclusion uh-huh. that he he stressed the system, 
the, the mechanical or electrical system, and the system responded by correcting itself. And he said maybe mm -hmm. human beings and animals and plants and everybody works in a similar way. You stress it, and you get a reaction. And that's he did research on the fight-fright syndrome and all the adrenaline and cortisol and all these hormones that come out when people fight or fright or animal attack, etc. And he was a real pioneer in, in research. Not everything he found was right, but came John Mason later on, and he published, I think, two major episode, um, issues of the journal Psychosomatic Medicine, about, mm -hmm. I think, three or 400 pages, with the results of his research. And that was, I think, in 1966 or 67. At that time, I was still resident mm -hmm. in Alexandria. And so eventually I came to work with him for three or four years at Yale, and we published um, a number of articles on um, hormonal changes in um, depression and related disorders. Now I'm going to ask you, um, because I've been in research for over 30 years, studying oh, yes. the body and the water living with the atmosphere's electric communication with us. I brought scientists to the table here, and we've talked on the radio show for years, and many of them in research have proven the body is a battery living with the electricity of the atmosphere. And what, what did you learn from him from that? What did you personally learn? Um, my research was related mostly to the correlation of what happens inside the body when somebody right. is depressed, for example. And right. we found, for example, that you have what's called diurnal variation. We didn't find that. That was already uh, known, but we did research based on that, um, that certain hormonal uh, levels in the blood, in the body, are altered uh, for example, when we wake up in the morning at 8 o'clock or so, this is the highest level of cortisol in the blood and cortisol-related hormones. And then it kinds, goes down, 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 down. In the late afternoon, it is at its nadir, lowest, and people get feel sleepy, actually, and tired. And then uh, you go back and uh, rest and uh, eat, etc. By midnight... Uh, it starts to creep up a little bit, and during while you're asleep, it goes again to the highest level in the morning. And that's called diurnal variation. So if you measure blood cortisol at 8 a.m. and at 4 p.m. or 8 p.m., there will be a major difference in normal people. In depressed people with what's called major depressive disorder or melancholy, uh, there is no such uh, variation. The blood level remains high all the time, of course, all morning and evening. And uh, we used uh, some some stress tests, like it's called dexamethasone suppression tests and other tests, and we proved that in people, we proved the finding that others have already found, we just elaborated on it, uh, that in major depression, and then we extended that to other diseases, uh, there is this variation in cortisol, and it doesn't, it's not suppressed when you give a challenge by something called dexamethasone. Mm -hmm. And we found that this is not true in other diseases, like, for example, thought disorders, like schizophrenia and related disorders. We also did mm -hmm. research on thyroid releasing hormone, which is another axis in the body. Uh, by mm -hmm. which the uh, hypothalamus, which is part of the brain, uh, we call it the maestro, to take the musical example, uh, analogy, analog, uh, said that, that uh, uh, maestro sends a hormone to the pituitary, which is the concert master of the endocrine system and, and my simile. And that pituitary, which is located at the center of the heart and the head, is um, distributes, sends rather, hormones to the thyroid, to the adrenal gland, which is next to the kidneys, to the gonads, to various other parts of the body. And they, in a remarkable way of what's called homeostasis, homeo means self, stasis means stability, it's the stability of the inner environment, you get a very intricate balance between the peripheral, the hormone that goes to the cell, 
in the periphery and the brain and the hypothalamus, which gives a signal to secrete the hormone. And so we did some research on that, and we found that in depressed people, again, in, in major depression, endogenous depression, uh, there is a blunting of the, of the pituitary heart, uh, gland response to the hypothalamus. And uh, there is, this is a world <laughs> without end. There are many other people who did more research. Exactly. Uh, that's why I wanted to ask you. We're going to take that moment of break, don't go anywhere, and I'm going to okay. come back, and I'm going to have you educate our audience the, the description of hormones life. What is that description? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All We're right. going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist for dry eye. It's the only product like it global, and uh, it is exciting because it, I wear cosmetics. I can use it all day long to maintain the health of my eye and dry eye that does lead to vision impairment to blindness, and blindness is out of control. That's why they've asked us to put it on the market, to be able to maintain the slowing down the evaporation of the surface of the eye that is 99% water. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Wabi. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Wabi, you were educating our audience about your research in hormones. And we have scientists listen to this show and scholars from all over the world, not just laymen. But educate us about the life of the hormone. How important is that to your body? I have, uh, for the last 20 years or so, um, there was a change in my career, a point of change where I, uh, uh, was, when I was uh, from Yale, I was invited to come to be associate chief of staff in, in the Chicago VA Medical Center. And from that point, I became an administrator. We call it executive medicine, which is a very uh, polite way of saying you, you sign your name to very important papers, but forget about the, the heart sounds. So my information is 20 years old at this time, and there are much more uh, bright and, and um, up-to-date uh, 
information that could be delivered by uh, current uh, researchers. But uh, to answer your question briefly, hormones are a very uh, unique um, uh, category of chemicals. They are small amounts of these hormones, of these chemicals, uh, are secreted by what's called endocrine glands. Endocrine means uh, blind. They are, they are search, uh, secreting internally. Uh, they are not, like, for example, like the uh, gastric glands in the stomach, which secrete into the stomach. These are glands that secrete directly into the bloodstream. And they secrete very small amounts, but they change a lot of our life. For example, a thyroid gland secretes thyroxine, and its precursors, and these thyroid hormones affect our metabolism, our energy level, uh, our appetite, um, a lot of lot of things that um, uh, when you are normal you don't realize the importance of this gland. But if if you have a low thyroid, you feel depressed and tired and put on weight and all these things. And if you are on the other hand, if you have more thyroid than normal, you get uh, hyperactive, hyper what about, nervous. What about, I'm going to ask you uh, about addiction. Have you ever studied the hormone imbalance with somebody who has an addiction? Uh, addiction is kind of a different story because it is based on receptors. Receptors are like door locks uh, in the brain. And these receptors uh, respond to stimulants. We call them ligand and receptor. Ligand is something that comes like the key, and the receptor is the lock. And unless you have the right key, it doesn't go into the right lock. What about your diet? What about the diet? If if a person is uh, not... Uh, has something in the diet or they're not eating the right food, but they're allergic, they're sensitive to something in the diet, then they don't know that. Would that also have an influence with the hormones? Uh, To some degree. uh, For example, if you're not taking enough iodine, you don't secrete uh, thyroid hormone because it's based on having enough iodine in the diet. And in the olden days, uh, about 100 years ago, people weren't around with big goiters, big glands, steroid glands in their neck because their food and their salt did not have iodine. And if you notice now, most salt sold in the places, they call it iodized salt because they added some iodine. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have um, uh, not enough fat in your diet, uh, it is... Not very likely, but it may affect the steroid hormones uh, production, but it probably would not be a major effect. If you have a lot of sugar in your diet and your system cannot balance that out because your body secretes insulin to reduce, to keep normal insulin within the normal range, uh, and if you are disposed to uh, diabetes and you have a lot of carbohydrates, especially um, simple carbohydrates like sugar and uh, fruit, yeah, then you can get uh, high diabetes, which is uncontrolled uh, blood sugar, and and many other ways. Addiction, however, to get back to addiction, it is is the um, brain hormones are very sensitive, uh, the brain receptors, rather, that I mentioned earlier, the key and the, the lock, are very sensitive to what's called endorphins. These are internal hormones that are very similar to opiates. And these hormones, the endorphins, are very, they usually bring happiness to the person. So if you exercise, for example, you get what's called exercise high, that's because you'll release some endorphins. Endorphins is related to um, being satiated, uh, to sex and so on. Uh, and, however, these endorphins, that's endogenous uh, uh, morphins, are secreted in very, very small quantities. People have learned over the years that if you take exogenous opioids, you get the not only similar highs, but much higher highs, because you get industrial levels of, of endorphins. And the problem with this is the, the receptor, the uh, brain receptor, gets accustomed, and not only accustomed, but 
dependent on the exogenous hormone. It suppresses the, the, the brain own hormone, and you get independent and independent and dependent, and eventually end up with all these And may tragedies. I say something there? Can I say something there? And you can correct sure. me if I'm wrong. But what sure. happens is the person who has an addiction or a reaction of weakness to uh, the opioid or the medication or whatever it may be, alcohol, whatever it may be, I don't care if it's chocolate, uh, that person doesn't realize the body is taking control of you. You're not in control of the body at that point. Am I wrong? No, absolutely. You are right. You are, you are giving in People to the chemical reactions. People are and blaming the person uh, that becomes addicted for not having the inner, to have that discipline, or let's just say want to become a person who's not addicted to what it may be. And it could be jogging down the road knowing their bones are going to fall apart, uh, cause a dehydrate. It could be anything. They won't quit bungee jumping when they've been told maybe they better not because they're not healthy, but they still need to bungee jump. Um, so people have to realize, and if you could help that then, that a person who has an addiction problem needs a lot of help because they're, they're going to blame themselves too. They're not going to blame the fact that the body is in full control of you from the moment you're born and what you, how you live and your choices could cause you to become, have an addiction. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, uh, I, I resemble it to uh, one of these uh, horse and bunnies in the old days where you have seven or eight horses uh, carry, uh, pulling the, uh, the cart. If you are a careful uh, driver, you keep them all under control. But, but if you let loose of them and they start running, you, you lose that control and you get into serious trouble and maybe wreck at the end. So uh, once you become addicted, it becomes a disease, and you really have to go to specialists where they treat you with not only medical and uh, naloxone-like medications and so on, but also psychological interventions and psychiatric and so on. You know, and the doctor, best way... what I, you know, doctor, what I've thought about, and we've got scientists on here for a long time, and I've been studying evaporation of the body. In other words, when that baby's born, all those organs you were talking about today and all that activity in the body has to thrive on a percentage of water, which is electrifying with the air we're living with, the atmosphere, we're the battery. My, I've thought, so simple, don't make it so complex. Immediately make sure the patient is drinking a, a ton of water. What was it in, in uh, the African country, uh, and I'm speechless at the moment, uh, that, that disease that they couldn't get Ebola? And remember the Ebola, and then all of a sudden, did you read? I, found, I read it. They started having them drink a gallon of water a day, and they got control over it all. But, well, Have they ever I, thought I... about doing that with a person whose addiction making sure they're not over-evaporating any longer, and change the diet. Change the diet. Yeah, I, You've been I'm teaching not me here this, this morning but... about that hormone, and I'll bet you the nerve endings living with the body and the water electrifying and the hormones, and what you were studying all this time is the breakthrough for looking for cures. For diseases of all kinds, is right uh, it, there. Yeah, it's possible. I, there are certain uh, diseases, in particular, that you ask people to be well hydrated, like diabetic uh, problems or somebody having kidney stones. Of course, cholera infection. That's uh, you need to have water. You need to have electrolytes with the water, by the way. So if you are running in a marathon, you don't need only water, but you need the electrolytes with it. But the hydration is the most important point, and uh, a simple test, by the way, for that is if you are wondering, touch your tongue with your finger. Uh, normally, there is a certain degree of uh, kind of rich moisture on the tongue. If it is dry, you know you really need some water at that time. Everybody should be drinking 
water to replace that, keep that replacement per percentage in the body. And that is something that a lot of people, and what they're doing, it's like brushing your teeth. If you don't brush correctly, what does brushing mean? Um, if you're not maintaining the surface of your eye that is dry from birth, and you've got to supplement that, and then when, when you're, when you, you know that water has to be maintained in the body, a certain level of that water to be able to be your electrolytic ability to live with your everyday life because those, the, in the body, each organ has a percentage of water that has to, to slow, you have to slow down that evaporation to death. They call it dehydration, but there's an evaporation that goes first. Um, people and that diet, the diet we're finding is not uh, taken serious enough. Even in the incarceration, we had on here from the Mayo Clinic, a scientist said, too, the diet is so important. But they started finding out that a lot of people are incarcerated because they grew up where their eyes were giving them problems because of excess dry eye. They didn't even know it because you don't, they never thought of dry eye the way I had to study it. And the, the eyes have to maintain a certain amount of water. It's a 99% water. And in the womb, the baby's at the breath, the eyes and the brain are connected with the same breath for a reason. For a reason. And they found that people that are incarcerated, a lot of them have a lot of eye problems they didn't even know. Then I said also... A diet. It's going to be the next medicine along with medicine. If they're not on a proper diet, it won't work. The medicine. They'll over-evaporate. Yeah. But you were teaching us this morning about those hormones. Now, are you still in research studying the hormones, or did you change over to something else? No, as I said earlier... um... About 20 years ago, um, I, um, I found somebody put my name without my knowledge, actually, in uh, a job um, for an associate chief of staff for education in, uh, in the VA in North Chicago. And I, one day I got a call from the chief of staff telling me, uh, we have uh, uh, accepted you. Would you like to come? And I wondered what it is about. But uh, I accepted, and that was kind of a turn in my career because I became uh, an executive physician with, with interest in particular in health education and the media. And uh, uh-huh. um, I... Uh, Continued in that, eventually, <laughs> excuse me, a few years later, I was asked to come to uh, Washington for, uh, uh, to work in the central office of the, uh, head, of the VA and headquarters. Uh, and uh, again, education, I was in charge for some time uh, of, of the academic affiliations of the VA. Many people don't realize the VA has black eye most of the time, but uh, it does a lot of good in, late, in the area of educating residents and students. So it has 120, I forget, 120, I think, so affiliations with medical schools. All over, anywhere you are, there is an affiliation and uh, residency programs, and uh, uh, our office handled those. We had about $300 million uh, budget for those uh, positions. And uh, then now, about this is, 10 the years. this is the VA, the Veterans Administration. Yeah, the Veterans Health Administration, which is part of the Department oh, wow. of Health. Oh, Care. how wonderful. Take care and, of those uh, Right. And then uh, about 10 years ago, I um, uh, again um, moved into another area, which is mass health communications, mass communications by the VA. So we started doing. Um, uh, programs, for example, uh, against uh, crisis and there was suicide problem in the military. So we started doing campaigns uh, oh, in, in my, major, what major cities. Good. Yeah, yeah, major cities where you have campaigns on on the buses and metros and uh, uh, spots on television. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, mm-hmm. then we eventually did some uh, uh, collaborations with movie stars who are interested in this, like Gary mm-hmm. Sinise. Wonderful. Now, when you started that, are you the founder of 
the musical group, uh, yeah. the uh, medical musical group. Are you the founder? I'm one of them. There was uh, five of us in 1990 who um, decided to form uh, a national group. There were small groups before that I was involved in with in Chicago and then in New Haven and also in uh, Minnesota. But uh, in 1990, a group of us uh, decided to do or tried to do a national group. And there was uh, other people like Dr. Jamie Knox, Dr. Uh, John Ferrer, Dr. John Matson, Ms. Mary Moreno, who is our president, uh, and Dr. Fred Richardson and others. And uh, we uh, did not realize how big it, it will grow because we started with a small group. And then uh, I remember our first concert in Washington, Constitution Hall, uh, Dr. Joyce Brothers, was the, the late Dr. Joyce Brothers were our host, and uh, we had a bunch of others. And our we had on that stage a choir and orchestra that totaled maybe 200 people, and the audience was less than that. Uh, but then quickly the word, uh, the Washington Post wrote about us, and uh, uh, we also performed at the White House and so on. So uh, very quickly we enlarged, and uh, uh, we expanded beyond the VA. We started within the VA uh, the first year, and most of our members came from VA medical centers around the country. So now the goal, the goal of the musical group was to entertain with music, to change the mood for uh, individuals to be more health conscious and think about more health conscious education for others. But as it grew, what is before we grow? Before, as soon as you answer that, I need to know what you do. What is your participation in the group? Uh, what do you do? Are you a musician? Are you a, a, do, are you in the chorale? What do you do? I'm their conductor, main conductor. There's a You're bunch the of conductor. others, associates, okay. and so on. That's right. But I would uh, the agent say they have me because the pay is right. You don't charge. I don't charge anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, oh wow, you get to be the conductor, the music director. How much fun! And get all of that rhythm and all those people um, to have some rehabilitation to themselves and then the audience. Yeah, our mission expanded gradually, and our mission now is to deliver music with a message. And the message oh. is, at home, is patriotism and uh, national healing and right. uh, caring for veterans, especially health care issues. And the message overseas, by the way, we went to 20, now 30 countries, I'm told, uh, by this year, oh, including, including China, and, uh, China, Russia, and others. And the goal there is mm-hmm. national, uh, is international friendship and peace. And then health education, right? Yeah, we, usually the concerts have a health cause. For example, we had a concert about cancer. It's called Doctors Against Cancer. Uh, et cetera, uh, things about the depression, opioids. Our last uh, oh. concert um, two, year, two months ago was about highlighting opioid addiction and trying to do something about it. Right. We just had a doctor from China on the show recently, a scientist, and he was saying he studies stress and addiction, and he said that the um, United States is the worst in the world with addiction. Our, our, one of our early trips was to China, by the way. We had about 250 or 260 in the chorus and orchestra and companions, and we were wow. very impressed with what we saw. Uh, we uh, saw choirs there in the heart of China, I forget the name of the city, Ming or something like that, and uh, they were singing four-part harmony like any choir here. They probably were better than us. Wow. And I was yeah. very impressed, my personally, with the city where they have I, all I know. these I, When horses. I go to China, I'm so impressed with how they are. Uh, I've been spoiled. Right. They were so good to me, and uh, they treated like me like I was a celebrity. <laughs> well, you obviously are. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. One day, uh, with what this research can do and what we can all do together, as members, is this earth will last for eternity, and I think we'll start finding those cures. But I'm a true believer that music, I grew up in a home 
My mother used to uh, play to wake my brother and I up from to go to school. We have a, a song in the United States in the old world called Mockingbird Hill. And she would play that on the piano really loud <laughs> to wake us up and get us going. And we, uh, there was singing going on all the time. There was always music in our home. And uh, I'm one of those people who is so corny. When I feel the right music, I begin to move. <laughs> well, it's, the music is related to improving brain function, and so uh, I, I don't. I'm not surprised that in your family uh, you came out, and I'm sure your other your siblings are also bright and brilliant, probably because of the music effect. You know what I think it might be, Doctor, and you, you've got only a moment left. Our bodies live in rhythm with the planet Earth. Um, it's, it's got to be. We've got to realize we don't push against the Earth. Let the Earth work, give us the rhythm. And be patient. Uh, feel, the, feel it. And music that you're doing, the music for our veterans and people out there in the world, coming from America... As America was known for music. Right. I have a friend, and we, I've got to go. I've got a friend whose father, after World War II in Japan, came. He was a Japanese soldier, and the American soldier saved his life. He came to America and got a lot of music, took it back, and, and they made music for the Japanese people to listen to American music to change their lives. Did you know that? So they got no. to listen to American music. No, but I'm not surprised. This is uh, typical. Music can cross all barriers, lots of barriers. It, it crosses the barrier. And, uh, but I want to thank you for all you've been doing all your life. And uh, I wish you well with what you do. You are thank very you. special. And uh, there's a definite um, rhythm in, with you. And I want to thank you for joining us today. And we will follow you with what you're doing. And we'd like to have you on again someday. And I'd love to hear some of your poetry someday. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. I, I don't, okay, I don't claim well. to be very highly gifted, but it was a pleasure to talk with you. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Be well. Take care. You too. Bye now. Thank you. Well, listeners, did we ever learn a lot today? There's so much to learn with our guests. They've been teaching us a lot. That even if you're a scientist listening and you're, you're, you study well, remember that we have to be reminded of things. And people who are out there doing breakthroughs in, in our medical field and in music and everything, it's because they're learning the algorithm of rhythm. Listen well and be patient and flow with the earth. It wants to flow with you. I want to thank you for listening, and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel, with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.